It's good to see you. Um, we don't know where our guest preacher is. So, this is what happens when you're the ordained elder. So, um, turn in your Bibles. I'm not going to try to pull something coherent together based on all the scripture that Bagu had planned for us. I don't know what he was going to talk about. So maybe we'll get that at another time. But turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3. And I guess you can title this message John 3.16. We know this verse by memory. But let's take a second and unpack this most famous verse. Hopefully, this will give you encouragement and uh, exhort you in your walk with Christ. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Mark, could you pray for us? Our Father, we come and we ask that you would open our spiritual eyes to see Jesus and soften our hearts that we might learn and grow more obedient to your will. Father, we want to say with Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. And so we pray, Father, that you anoint Pastor George as he preaches and you anoint our listening. Father, we want to see Jesus, and so we pray for your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you probably know this verse. People hold it up at football games. John 3.16. This famous verse that Jesus spoke to Nicodemus when he came to ask Jesus questions at night. So this verse is in the context of Jesus saying, you must be born again. That powerful command that we can't do. I can't cause myself to be made alive, to be born again. But it's a necessity to get into God's kingdom because by nature we are dead in our sins. Ephesians 2 says we are made alive in Christ 
And how is that done? Um, consider this first. Let's just take a few minutes and unpack this verse. For God, who did this? Did you and I, did humans or priests, did we choose how to be reconciled to God? Did we try to figure out a way of redemption? No, the fact of the matter is we are all dead naturally in our sin. Our relationship to God is broken. We need to be forgiven. We need righteousness. We need to be reconciled. Because by nature, we're enemies of God and we don't do what pleases it. But God, it's God who had the plan of redemption out of his eternal counsel. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit knew what Adam would do, knew how sin would affect the human race. So, the first phrase, our redemption, our salvation, is based on the counsel, the will, the work of God, not us. This is important because throughout human history, People all over the world are religious and spiritual, but often they're serving idols. They're not serving the true God. The true God is not being worshipped. God knows what man would do had a plan of redemption. So, it's for God. It's 100% the work of God, our sovereign Lord. That's good news because we wouldn't do it. Let's be honest. Without the work of God, where would we be? What would we choose? We would choose sin. We would go our own way. But this verse is telling us that God intervened in human history for the benefit of people. So, it's the work of God, for God. And what did he do? Several things here. It says that this God 
the God of Scripture, so loved the world. God could have abandoned us. He could have left us to destruction. He could have condemned us and given us no hope. But again, we see here this attribute of God that He's loving, He's patient, He's merciful, He's compassionate. But He's also just and holy. And what does He do? He displays, He demonstrates love to the fallen human race. The little word, so, kind of tells us that this love is very, very great. It's great enough to deal with our sin. It's great enough to save us and redeem us. This love, this verse says, is poured out on the world. I don't think the word world is meaning every single human being. Or else, I think they would be saved. That God's redemption is efficient and efficacious. But the word world means this cosmos, this planet, with this race of sinners. He didn't pour his love out on Mars or Venus or some other star system or whatever is out there. He chose to deal kindly with us, the people in this world. And what did he do for this world? The next phrase, this God that exists in three distinct, eternal, but separate persons sent to this world to people his only son. The son is prophesied about in the Old Testament. In Psalm 2, it says about the son, Thou art my son, I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations as an inheritance. And we're said to give homage to the Son, lest he become angry. What was God's plan? God the Father planned redemption. How would it happen? God the Father sent His Son 
into this world through the virgin birth, through Mary, through the incarnation of this eternal Son becoming also fully human, fully God, fully man. Why is this important? Because Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. Yes, thank you. Necessary. Jesus is the perfect Lamb of God. He's the high priest of the covenant. As God, he represents God and God's holiness. As man, he represents us, you and me. He's the only person who can mediate that dispute of sin. He represents God and he represents us. God, in his wisdom, saw fit to give to us, to his people, this world, his best gift, his son, the only begotten son, the word only begotten is a Greek word, monogenos. That means that Jesus is the same essence as the Father. It's like identical DNA. He's a distinct person, but equal and of the same radiance as the Father. But the word begotten, we could misunderstand. We think of begotten, meaning a man has relations with his wife and he begots, begats a child at a time in history. That's not what this means. Some people some cults, some groups misunderstand this phrase. Did God have sexual relationships with Mary or some goddess of heaven? It doesn't mean that. It means this son is of the same eternal essence as the Father, but he's unique, he's distinct, he's fully divine. The Son is like the Father. Both are deity. The Jehovah's Witness confuse this. Like, how can the Son be like the Father, is not a human father, greater than a son. Yes, in some ways, but I have a son, he's still equal to me, 
as a human. Yet, I had authority over him. I could speak and expect him to obey. Jesus is equal to the Father. That's the ontological trinity. The three persons are distinct but equal. But the economical trinity is that the Father plans, the Son obeys, accomplishes, and the Spirit proceeds from both and applies redemption. So God, how did He plan to deal with our sinfulness? God said, I'll give my son. My son will be fully God, fully human. And when he's born, you will call his name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. That's the plan. That's the work Christ accomplished. You see, Jesus didn't come into the world just to be a teacher or to speak some prophecies or do some miracles. Jesus' purpose was to gain to save sinners by his death on the cross as a legal penal substitution atonement. In other words, Jesus' death, because he was righteous, he kept the law, is the unblemished lamb. By his death, the penalty for our sin the sin of his people is paid for once and for all. I don't have to try to add to it. I don't have to try to do good things to justify myself. God the Father was satisfied by Christ dying for sin and being raised from the dead and ascended to heaven. That's the provision of God for sin. But you know, humans all over the world don't like that provision. If you start to talk about Jesus, his work, his cross, his death, people will say, I don't believe it. I don't care about it. I got my own way to get to God. You see, just a few verses earlier, Jesus said, I will be lifted up on the cross and I will draw 
than to myself. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. From Numbers 21. There was a plague of deadly snakes. Moses said to God, do something. God said, here's my plan. Here's the provision. Make a brass snake. Put it on a pole. Walk around the camp of the 12 tribes. Anybody bitten, all they had to do to be delivered from poisonous snake bite and death was just look at the snake on the pole as Moses walked around. That doesn't sound like a cure for snake bite, but that's what God said. And I bet you some people said, I don't believe it. I won't do it. God gave the provision for sin. Jesus on the cross. Look at what he did. Claim that for yourself. Charles Spurgeon the great English preacher was 16 years old. He knew the word. He understood much of it. But he didn't feel as a Christian. On a snowy night, he couldn't get to the Presbyterian church. So he went to a small Methodist church it was a Wednesday night, and a lay preacher was explaining that God said to Moses, have people just go look as you walk around with the snake on the pole. And this lay preacher said, all you have to do is look to Jesus who died on the cross. Are you looking to Jesus? Don't look to some other prophet, some other priest. Don't look to what you can do. Look to Jesus. And Spurgeon said, all this, stuff, the gospel made sense. Last night, I was converted. One of the greatest preachers in the history of the church. So, here we are. God has basically said, I gave my son. Look to him. And the promise is, whomever believes on Christ will be saved. Will not perish, will not be condemned. Again, sometimes we have confusion. Does that whomever mean, does that phrase mean? Let anybody 
can choose to accept Jesus. All I have to do is make a decision. No. It's God who planned it. It's God who predestines, who elects, who effectually calls, who justifies. It's God's Spirit who regenerates. Then the person who hears the gospel, the Spirit works to make them alive. That person will call upon the name of the Lord and will be saved. But still, salvation is 100% the work of the sovereign, good, triune God gave us his son. And the good news is, brothers and sisters, we do not perish. Jesus said, whoever believes on me has everlasting life. The promise here is eternal, everlasting life. A place with God in heaven because of Christ the Son. It's not like God will break the promise and still condemn us. The good news is the work of Christ is sufficient to save us. Jesus, the anchor of our souls. But there's a warning here also. Those who reject the provision of Christ and His work, which many people do, the promise, the warning is, they will perish because they turned away from the only provision for sin. Just as sure that a person with that snake bite, they said, I'm not going out to see what that old man Moses is doing. They will die. Those who reject Christ die in their sins. This should encourage us today to cling to, to abide to with Christ, our Savior, and be thankful that God, in His great love and mercy, did not leave us in sin and eternal death but gave us life, abundant life, eternal life. And that should encourage us to walk with Lord Jesus, to stay with Him, fellowship with Him. And it should encourage us to preach this Christ, crucified and resurrected, to the world around us.
because it's the provision of God for salvation. Father, thank you for your great love to us in Vora, including us, to save us through the person and work of Jesus, your Son. Thank you for the work of your Spirit to apply this to our lives. We couldn't do it, but you did it to save us. May we praise you. May we serve you. May we seek your kingdom first. May we trust Christ on a day-by-day basis. In his name, amen. Thank you.